What is going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. I've got a little bit of spare time this evening, and I wanted to have this guy on my show recently and wasn't able to make it happen, so we're going to squeeze it in here. Um, you guys remember I had Mark Victor on my podcast last week. Well, he threw everybody a curveball and dropped out and endorsed Blake Masters, which was something he explicitly said he was not planning on doing. He did talk about wanting to have a conversation and saying that the only way he would concede if he honestly felt that um, Blake Masters you know, represented his ideas enough. And apparently he felt that way. However, he seemed a lot more skeptical of that when he was on my show. But anyway, back on the show again, just about exactly a year later from the last time he was on. Actually, we've got Kyle Matovic of the In Liberty and Health podcast. How are you doing today, man? Excellent, man. Great to be here with you. So how has your first year of podcasting been? Has it been? Uh, I mean, most people, I don't think, make it a whole year. So you're <laughs> like, you've made it to your anniversary, uh, roughly. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Uh, 146 episodes recorded and uh, decent bit of downloads. You know, could always do better. But um, I feel like for the first year, I have did pretty well. And uh, I have no plans of stopping. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you on, I think, next week with a couple other guys. And I'm really excited for the uh, conversation there. Yeah. So you have kind of carved out a unique niche for your podcast. Like, so many libertarians want to start a podcast and then it's just like, oh, the non-aggression principle, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the same thing or like, what is libertarianism? You know, some generic dumb bullshit. But you have really kind of carved out the populist versus like principled libertarian strategies. And you've really talked to a lot of people, though, Bishop uh, and then like the Libertarian Institute guys. And uh, like the more right wing populist guys like uh, Pete Quinones or um, mm -hmm. Buck Johnson, people like that to try to kind of really, uh, you know, figure this out. How, how's that been? Has, is that accurate to say that that's kind of been your your corner that you've gone for? And what's that been like? Yeah, um, honestly, it's been really good. And uh, it's kind of funny because one of the guys from Hoppian.org, um, him and I actually went to high school together and um, he lives probably like within a half hour from me. And um, I've really enjoyed having those conversations. I did four specific episodes, and you were a part of one of them, where we talked strictly about strategy going forward, whether you should do the populist GOP route or maybe do the Libertarian Party. And it seems like those conversations not only are kind of well-desired by the people, but um, for me, I found them very, very enjoyable. And I never quite um, feel satisfied at the end of the day, but um, just with the populist right, as um, you and I have talked about a lot, um, just this growing Cold War with China seems to be a really, really big issue. And um, over the last couple of months, I've done quite a bit of digging. And I think I see a lot more incentives where I didn't necessarily see them before. But um, the strategy conversation is always a fun one. And like I said, I don't know where I fall on it. But um, at the end of the day, it does seem like we're going to have a pretty big red wave. And I don't think people are going to get what they're bargaining for, if you know what I mean. Like they're they're. They're not I don't know what get... you're talking about. The Senate race <laughs> in Pennsylvania is incredible. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I could feel any better represented than if I lived in Pennsylvania right now. I mean, you've got, uh, as Justin O'Donnell said, you have a fake doctor running against a fake person. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's like a, a, a geriatric outpatient Dr. Gru or something like that. That's a, probably one of the best ways I could describe him. First, like a snake oil salesman. You got like a, a dude pretending to be a person versus a guy pretending to be a Republican. But they're really not that far apart on the issues. I mean, they're both pro-choice, um, Oz to a lesser degree. Um, Fetterman said that China's the number one enemy. So it's like, okay, big shocker. And then if you look on... Um, dr oz's website he says we got to get tough on china I, they're they're really not that far apart but it's just you know basically you see all these people fucking hacking it up for um oz because they want the republicans to have the majority but i'm like man i get wanting the republicans to have like the majority but you guys could just like stay out of this one because i would be embarrassed to leave the house saying oh i endorse dr oz and i can't tell you how many people bust my balls about it but like look at some point you gotta say dude this shit's a fucking joke but um you and i were shooting the shit off air and uh yeah fetterman it, it's almost like i almost want to pull the card for him just because it's like can you imagine all the pauses if he's getting grilled just i support i don't always 
a support fracking. Like, yeah, dude, I, I, I want him in the Senate. I'm not even kidding. Like, I, if I lived in Pennsylvania, I would unironically cast a ballot for Fetterman. Like, no, I wouldn't even have to think about it. I would try to, I would try to vote twice. I would try to commit voter fraud <laughs> for Fetterman. Like, I want that guy to be senator so bad. Um, and then, you know, right behind him is Herschel Walker. I want both of them in there. I want them to ha- get in some sort of argument on the Senate floor. I want to see Fetterman try to do a filibuster. That would be incredible. I mean, I'm, ju- I'm just here for all of it, man. Like, it's we're, we're f- so far past the point of realistically expecting any policies that we want to be implemented. So might as well just go full clown car. And, you know, that's where we are. Yeah, no, I think that's a reasonable assessment. And uh, I-, I find myself saying, you know what? I'm kind of thankful that Biden's in there because it's so just blatantly awful. Like I can't even muster the anger that I see a lot of people just are absolutely filled with just because it's so... I don't know. I can't add anything to that conversation because everything that everybody's criticizing criticizing him for, they're absolutely correct. But like, I, I feel bad. He's literally a walking corpse and there's just constant videos of people just guiding him one way or the other because he doesn't know where he's going. But I feel like it would be a lot of the same deal with uh, Fetterman. And then especially considering that he's going to continue to get older and less and less healthy, uh, more than likely it's just going to be, you know, like a younger version of Joe Biden, but just as geriatric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am not excited for these midterms. Like I, I mean, I don't really care either. Like I'm not dreading them either. I'm just like, (laughs) I I mean, I, (laughs) I expect a a clean sweep with the red, you know, I I expect a red wave like you do. Um, I think Blake masters will win. I think, um, I think uh, Dr. Oz will win now. I think Don Baldick's going to win here in New Hampshire. I think, um, I think Herschel Walker is going to win in Georgia and, you know, then all the incumbents, I think most of them are going to win too. Like uh, definitely Rand Paul, Mike Lee, like all those guys, which with them, it's a good thing. They're staying in there, but right. um, yeah, a lot of the people who are going to win, I'm just like, I, <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's a federal office. A lot of people are forgetting that they're complaining about, um, you know, statewide issues. Mm-hmm. Like will abortion be illegal in my state? Or what is the, um, you know, what is something going to be in my state is yeah, pertaining to minimum wage or something. It's like the only way that they control that is if they pass a federal law. Like, I mean, so many people are talking about state specific issues when they don't realize this is nationwide stuff. Like you're not we're not talking. To, I mean, if you're voting for governor, that's one thing. Or if you're voting for people in your state legislature, that's one thing. But this is a, a whole different issue. And as far as federal issues go, all these guys suck. <laughs> like, I mean, some of them are a little bit better than others, but, um, and we'll get into the Blake Masters thing. I do, I will say, even though I don't like Blake Masters, I think he is one of the few that is actually better than his opponent. With the other ones, I literally yeah. don't see a difference. <laughs> like, I don't right. really care at all. Um, like, he he's a little bit better, but... Uh, yeah, man, I, uh, I'm not optimistic. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, um, I, I've definitely been taking the black pills recently, too, as much as I hate to say that, just because it's, it, it, it is pretty abysmal or looking at, and especially just seeing how little difference there really is. And despite what people want you to believe, it, there really isn't substantial difference on a lot of these different elections. Like a lot of these people just have the same fucking views. And uh, in particular with the uh, Blake Masters deal, I don't know if you want to get into that now, but uh, it, sure. it just it just seems like the concessions and Mark Victor kind of throwing his hands up and saying, I'm going to put my weight behind this guy was given pretty haphazardly like he didn't push him on anything. And even when some of our own leaders were kind of pushing back against him on some of the stuff that he's been notably bad on. Um, they didn't really put up much of a fight. And I get it because to a degree, you're inviting someone on your podcast and you're going to treat them with respect. and You don't want to you know, torture them. But at the same time, um, if we're going to have any kind of political leverage, then why shouldn't we use that? And it really right. seems like that wasn't used. Yeah. So I had Austin Peterson on my show last week and he gave some opinions that I was definitely in disagreement with but i didn't grill him on them because yeah he's not running for anything and i asked him to come on as a friend just to talk about some stuff mm-hmm. uh, and i actually mostly wanted to talk about the midterms and then 
the war in Ukraine ended up taking up like half the episode. But people were really, like, even why didn't you push back hard on him while he was on your show? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just didn't feel it necessary. But when I had Mark Victor on, I actually, um, I told him ahead of time, like, look, this I want to talk to you about specific issues. And like, if you are to endorse either of the other candidates, you need mm. to demand some sort of concession. So I told him up front and then you watched the episode, right? Like yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't mean or anything, but I pushed him pretty hard right. on some stuff. And then even Mark Victor wasn't willing to say that we should leave NATO or that mm -hmm. we shouldn't, you know, have a contractual obligation to defend Israel. Um, and I was just like, dude, I mean, you're the libertarian. You're supposed to have like, <laughs> you know, demonstrably better views than the Republican. But um, so I even told him at the end, I said, look, I, um, I think you really need to extort both of these candidates if either of them want to get your support. Right. And I did watch uh, Blake on the Liberty Report and on part of the problem. And I, I don't think either of them pushed him hard at all. I mean, they it was barely an interview on the tough questions. It wasn't even right. like clarifying. What did you mean when you said this? It was a little bit of that. But if I could have done that interview, it would have been like, hey, you said this. Like you, on your website, right. it says that we need to fight uh, or I forget the exact wording, but we need to only fight wars to protect our allies. Yeah, like as, Israel on his website, <laughs> it says, as your senator, I will get rid of, quote unquote, wokeness in our military, which um, I, I it's like, you know, woke when you see it. But the problem is too many people use this as just kind of like a blanket term for shit that they don't like. Um, and then right after that, it's to support military action only in defense of the U.S. and our allies like Israel. Remind everybody that the job of our military is not to export democracy abroad, which I agree with. That's fine. Um, and then where is it? Yeah, get tough on China, by far our top geopolitical rival. And that's um, strong and smart or under his uh, defense plan. So if we're going to be defending our allies, Israel, um, what does that mean? Where does that start? Where does it end? Um, because we're already giving them billions of dollars every year to basically maintain the uh, open air prison they have over there. It's... And they're also like the reason we're so fucking hawkish on Iran all the time. Right. That doesn't right. have anything to do with us. That has to do with Israel. They're one of the huge reasons we invaded Iraq in 2003. Like it's not, mm -hmm. it's not like, um, you know, we would, it, it's not like this is some abstract idea that we would have to go in there if, Iran suddenly decided to come up with nukes and nuke Tel Aviv or something like mm -hmm. this has already been a thing. This is why we've gotten involved in so many of these entanglements over there in the first place. That's always yeah. the justification for it. Yeah. And I put out a tweet the other day saying as long as the populist right is going to be beholden to Israel and hawkish on China, there'll never be a principled anti-war movement because you know that Israel is going to drag them into another um, you know, conflict whenever they see necessary because you're seeing all these assassinations kind of going on over in Iran. And um, Israel's also doing some bombing campaigns in Syria, I believe. Yeah. And you know, we, we can't do anything about it because we're just, you know, once again, solemn arms, we're sending them tons of money. It, it's, and you've laid this out very, very well as well, but um, this whole populist movement, I don't think it was really this upswell of anti-war. Um, it, it wasn't like an upswell in an anti-war movement because basically um, everybody's rejected regime change and that's great. Don't get me wrong. But now, you bring up China, these people, and they're so fixated on it. And even a lot of libertarians buy this shit, which is mind boggling to me. All the same people that reject all the propaganda from the last 20 years, for some reason, we repeated about China. Um, yeah. it, it has to be true. And once again, you and I have discussed before, there's even people in leadership that aren't that good on this. And it's like, hey, this will be the next big push. We're definitely you know, kind of poking the bear here when it comes to sailing warships through the Taiwan Strait, um, doing military drills over there. We have army bases over there. We're training their military. So um, China's repeatedly said that they want peaceful unification, but um, we're giving them every reason not to do that. We keep sending congressional delegations and nobody talks about that. We could talk about all day about how, um, oh, you know, China's committing a genocide on the Uyghurs, which is false. Um, they're a hostile actor on the world stage. They're sending in all this fentanyl, which when you actually dig into it, it's not necessarily 
China or the CCP themselves, because they've actually tried to crack down on this. And I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with them, you know, cracking down, but they're not trying to have it exported here. But for some reason, we just blame China as a whole for that. But whenever it comes to these escalations, you never hear anybody on the populist on, on the populist right call it out. They never say, hey, we shouldn't be provoking China into a war. We should be trying to strengthen our own economy so that way we don't have to depend on them as much. If they were doing that, I'd be 100% behind it, but they never do that. They hawk yeah. it up. And then whenever it, or whenever it gets to like actual military policy, they just completely turn the other cheek. Um, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene said once, like, we shouldn't unnecessarily provoke them by sending Pelosi to Taiwan. But, you know, she's still one of the worst hawks on China as well. Yeah, so, yeah. like, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, the the idea that the populist right has become anti-war is dumb because in, in a lot of ways they've gotten worse. So instead of Iraq and Iran, now it's China and Iran that they want to play. Right. It's just like... I'd rather fight Iraq than China personally, <laughs> you know, like I think that's a move in the absolute wrong direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, it was crazy. Blake said that on Dave's show that, you know, China could be landing on our shores pretty soon. Yeah. Or, you know, it, I, and the thing is, like, watching both of these interviews, obviously, Ron Paul and Dan McAdams and Dave are going to try to pull him in a libertarian direction right so when they were leading the conversation those it, things sounded pretty good but blake never pushed things in that direction himself whenever mm -hmm. he was talking it was all about like the reason it's atrocious that 40 or 67 billion dollars have been sent to ukraine is because we need 12 billion of it here to build our own border wall or mm -hmm. You know, because we should be opposing our real enemies like China. You know, it's just right. like, I mean, whenever he's at the helm and you look at like 98% of his content he puts out on Twitter, his ads, like none of them are talking about trying to de-escalate tensions with mm -hmm. Russia. None of them are. I mean, he'll give platitudes about, yeah, I oppose endless wars and endless spending. But dude, platitudes about endless wars, Bill Crystal. Remember when he was debating Scott Horton, he even told Bill Crystal, like, yeah, I'm an anti-war person. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. anybody can say that, especially if they're prodded into saying mm -hmm. it. So I don't know. I was just really unimpressed. I feel like we. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually and Justin Amash disagrees with this from the tweets he's been making lately. He thinks mm -hmm. the only point of the Libertarian Party is to run candidates to win. And he right. hates the kingmaker strategy. I actually disagree with that. I think that the kingmaker strategy is great because I think that's the only power we have as libertarians. Like we don't have any power over elections as far as winning them. We can't unless right. it's like some local thing, then you can win. But on a statewide uh, level or nationwide level, especially definitely can't win. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone who has a proclivity uh, toward libertarianism, if we can extort them in that direction, even if they don't follow through on what they say they're going to do, it's good optics. And it sends a message to the Republicans that, like, look, if you want to win, you've got to court our vote. Like, this is where the left has really fucked up because the left mm -hmm. has proven to the Democrats, you don't need to cater to us at all. You can fucking <laughs> steal both elections from us in the primary, mm -hmm. rig the fuck out of it, and we'll still vote for you. I mean, in 2016, it was a lot closer. So, um, you know, I mean, sorry, it, it, there was uh, the, the Democrats lost. So you could kind of say that. But then with right. Biden, they won. So there's like really no proof. And then and even in 2016, it wasn't like tons and tons and tons of people stayed home. They actually the popular vote actually went to Hillary Clinton. So it wasn't like this strong middle finger to the Democrats from the true anti-war left wingers. Right. Where I think we should be sending that message to the Republicans like, dude, mm -hmm. just because you're going to lower taxes a little bit and you're going to, mm -hmm. you know, make some vagaries about how we shouldn't be in wars forever. That's not enough to get my support. Right. But yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And um, th this is my whole problem with Mark Victor dropping out was that there weren't enough concessions given because nobody pushed him back on Israel. No one pushed back on the China stuff other than Dave a little bit. And he's in um, 
Blake came back with the chips argument. Oh, my chips in Taiwan. Okay, yeah. well, what these people fail to understand is that China is largely a globally dependent economy. Like they need others. Uh, I think they're largely um, globally dependent for like all their grains and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. I might have that backwards. But regardless, they still need a lot of outside, you know, imports to kind right. of keep their economy functioning and running. So that kind of refutes that argument pretty quick. So, and I understand, hey, we should have a good relationship with Taiwan, but like this militarily, we can't do this. And this idea that they're going to be on our shores, they're, <laughs> they're a crumbling empire. They're a paper tiger. They did what they did to their economy, what the U.S. has done to their economy in 25 years versus where it's taken us over 100 years. Um, so this idea that you're going to see the chai comms coming up on California's coast, it, it's just so alarmist and ridiculous. And the fact that nobody said like, dude, you don't really believe this. And there's people that are saying this is just campaign rhetoric. Look, I hope so. I really hope that he goes in there and he pulls Rand Paul over to being better on Israel, right? I hope that he pulls Rand Paul into being this, you know, the same figure that his dad was. Do I think he's going to do it? Honestly, I don't think so. I think it's going no. to be one big old fucking letdown and you're still going to have all these people who, who like him for the stuff that he is good on that are just going to suck his dick and say that he can do no wrong. And you know, we're going to be, <laughs> it's going to be satanic panic by 2026. I'm, I'm calling it right here. <laughs> so what do you think he is explicitly good on? Cause the only reason I say that he's better is just because Mark Kelly is so awful. Like, I don't think yeah. Mark Kelly is good on anything. Uh, but what do you think Blake is like explicitly good on? Um, when it comes to the immigration stuff, he's a little extreme, but I understand the arguments for kind of closing the borders. Um, the uh, gun stuff, he's obviously good on. He is pro Bitcoin and he's good on currency as well. So all that stuff I'm really into. Um, but do you I'm, think it's like, I mean, because he, when in the in the uh, interviews, he would say the ridiculous spending of the last 22 months. And you know <laughs> who was president 23 months ago? Right. And So, I mean... And and like we used to have a good president who was smart about his, you know, his power as the head executive or whatever. And we and he was good on foreign policy. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, yeah, you can say these things like, yeah, we need sound money. We need less spending. But Ted Cruz would also say that. And look at Ted Cruz. He voted right. to send 40 billion dollars to Ukraine. Um, maybe the gun thing like, yeah, he probably is good on that. And maybe he wouldn't sell out on something like that. But dude, even like the immigration thing, I mean, I know I am a more open borders libertarian than a lot. But even if you're like someone who thinks, yeah, we should have a secure border, this guy wants to add thousands of border patrol agents, which creates more of a bureaucracy. He wants to militarize the border. He wants to build a wall. And I know a lot of people haven't lived in Arizona where Blake is from. But when I lived there in 2015, they had checkpoints that you had to go through where they mm -hmm. stopped every single car. I think any vessel within a hundred miles of the border, the border patrol has full authority to stop you and, mm -hmm. you know, confiscate your property and stuff. They Jeez. can't enter a house because they need a warrant to enter a house, mm -hmm. but any ship, boat, plane, uh, you know, car, anything, any vessel they can enter within a hundred miles of the border so like i don't care what you think about immigration or like what you think about mexicans t stealing our jobs or ruin our culture or whatever it is anybody thinks that's not okay and he's like a hundred percent on board with that stuff and it's because mm -hmm. of his ties to his peter Thiel companies that get you know tons of contracts with the border patrol i mean that's where mm -hmm. it comes from so i don't know that's very concerning to me too yeah and, and there's a lot of propaganda on the right about the border stuff. And I don't claim to have expertise knowledge on this. I hear so many people saying there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border every day. And some of it seems a little bit drummed up. Um, and I'm sure there's a concern there, but um, I don't think people look at the full picture. People just read the headlines when it comes to, Oh, you have all these people immigrating over. So, you know, you have to be worried about this and, you know, vote for me and I'll fix it. But, you know, surely enough, it never gets fixed. Um, I like I said, he's he talks good now, but then also the campaign rhetoric stuff that we've kind of been elaborating on throughout the show so far. Um, how much do you believe and how much is he actually going to work with? I 
I don't think I'm very optimistic for him as a senator and the intellectual dishonesty of him not criticizing Trump for spending just blows my fucking mind. And then also the same deal with not criticizing foreign policy blows my mind. Like it's just I can't stand this intellectual dishonesty where people want to unnecessarily suck Trump's dick for every single reason they could possibly find and try to excuse everything bad that he ever did. Cause I'm sure you noticed this too. People say, Oh, it was a deep state. No, everybody was against him. But then you look and half the time he was for a lot of this shit, like oh, all yeah. the stimulus couldn't, checks. Yeah. It couldn't yeah. be done quickly enough. He couldn't get the right. cares act on his desk quickly enough. You know, wanted to kick Thomas Massey out of the Republican party for mm-hmm. not even opposing it, but just asking for a recorded vote. Right. <laughs> you know, like, um, the thing is, too, like people are trying to unironically say that and, and we don't know yet because we haven't seen this guy in office. So yeah. I, I will concede that. But they're saying he will be better than Rand Paul. And so I have a couple points on this. One is, yeah, on a bell curve, Rand is pretty good. But man, like if you compare him to how he ran his campaign in 2010, mm-hmm. he has fallen so far. So this right. idea that someone would be like undercover libertarian and then get in there and then suddenly be perfect is just ridiculous. I mean, if anything, it's always the opposite way. They start out okay, and then over time they get worse and worse and worse. Um, but, I mean, if we just compare them on a few things, one is the the hypocrisy over the Republicans versus the Democrats spending money. Like Rand Lord. Paul, even though to a large extent he did suck Trump's dick, he voted against Trump more than any other Republican senator. And he was constantly talking about how they were spending too much money. He was constantly trying to block arms sales to Saudi Arabia and stuff yeah. like that. I'm not getting the vibes that Blake Masters would even be willing to do any of that stuff, you know? Um, so, I mean, if Rand Paul is the bar we're aiming for, I don't see it. Like, I don't see him even reaching it. I see him falling far below it. But yeah, no, I don't see a path to that either, completely, to be completely honest with you. And, you know, as a guy who supposedly read all the Mises and Rothbard and was involved with the Mises Institute, um, it's like, you know, Israel is probably the greatest threat to the country. Like, they literally shape the way all, all the concerns that people have about China. You can literally yeah, they're true about Israel. Yeah, they're true yeah. about Israel. <laughs> But yeah. we, we can't say anything about that. And to Robbie Martin's credit, he's the one that kind of put that in my mind. And then literally when you start just kind of going down the list, it's like, oh, oh they put people in camps. Check. Um, you know, they <laughs> influence our politicians. Check. Like, and on top like a- of all of that, they sell shit to the Chinese that we give <laughs> right. to them for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so fucking bizarre to me. And I don't know. When you see him say that we're going to defend our allies like Israel, it's like, OK, well, you're wanting us to go out on a limb and just trust this guy. But like, that's a pretty big leap of faith when he just sounds like another fucking Ted Cruz. And for all we know, he could go in there and be another Ted Cruz. And if he was, wouldn't be surprised one bit because actually uh, Rand Paul and Ron Paul both kind of endorsed Ted Cruz early on. Yeah. But then (laughs) look how that shook out. Yeah. Here's the other thing is like, I don't know why people care so much about endorsements. So here in right. um, New Hampshire, Don Baldick, who's an awful neocon warmongering Republican, mm-hmm. he got the endorsement of both Tulsi Gabbard and Rand Paul. And so many people were shocked. And I'll be honest, I was a little surprised by the Tulsi one, but not so much like that. It was unprincipled, more like, what I, What are you doing? I don't get it. Like, I, I don't I didn't understand, like the point of it why come to new hampshire and campaign for this random republican makes no sense from rand paul's perspective even though i disagree with it, i understand it more because this is what rand does he wants the senate majority to be republican because he's a team player for tulsi it's like what like i I just don't really get it maybe i'm sure we'll find out further down the road why she's doing this but um all that to say like people's endorsements really don't mean much especially if you look at other things they've endorsed so like tulsi gabbard endorsed hillary clinton uh you know bernie sanders um joe biden (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. rand paul uh supported um you know um yeah mitt romney while his dad was still in the race he also voted to confirm mike pompeo Mm -hmm. and then he's also you know a diehard trump supporter he voted for lloyd austin for secretary of defense too like people forget (laughs) that too so it's like okay 
Um, and then like people that I have a lot more respect for, like Dave and Ron Paul and Dan McAdams, like they are like leaps and bounds better. But still, just because they endorse someone, why does that mean that we all have to fall in line? Like we all can disagree and disagreeing with an endorsement doesn't mean that you think somebody's trash. Like I it's undeniable, despite all their faults, that Rand Paul and Tulsi Gabbard have been, you know, uh, very effective in the anti-war movement by raising right. awareness about certain things like the war in Yemen, uh, you know, not arming terrorists in syria like there's tons of stuff that they've done that is good but to just go along with who they say we should vote for because they've done these good things like that's crap like as i feel the same way with um you know and i i think to dave's credit like he hasn't suggested that anyone else should feel the same way as he does like this is right. just what he thinks or whatever but there is like this dogmatic um you know, follow the leader thing that goes on, not just in the Liberty movement, it's everywhere, but it's like, guys, just think for yourselves. Like just because someone you respect says that he's supporting someone doesn't mean you should, you know, like try to do a little bit of thinking about it yourselves. And if you disagree with me at the end of the day, like if you think, you know what, Reed, I think that, you know, endorsing Blake masters and uh, Mark Victor dropping out of the race is the best thing for Liberty. Okay, fine. That's your opinion, but at least think about it. And come to your own conclusion instead of just going with whatever your favorite thought leader says. Because, I mean, if I'm your favorite thought leader, which I wouldn't even call myself that. But if I am, don't listen to whatever I say. Like, take mm -hmm. the advice of other people to try to come up with your own conclusion. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I I've found myself disagreeing with, you know, different people's endorsements through, you know, at different times. And that's perfectly fine. Like you said, think for yourself. Because I definitely wouldn't throw my hat behind anybody who's hawkish on china tulsi just endorsed jd vance and it, there, there is an entertaining game where you literally go into any republicans uh twitter profile and you just type in china and you, you'll get a whole litany of tweets about how you know china's yeah. our number one enemy and especially on the populist right oh we gotta we gotta build up to confront china like joe kent was horrible on this and people prop him up and, and I, I don't know it's just upsetting to see Nobody asked for the concessions like, hey, this this situation is not good. And then even the fact that um, Blake Masters literally carries the same position on all of the things. Israel, initially Ukraine and China is the regime as the Biden regime. I mean, there would be no difference in February. Blake's statement to Biden's we should sanction Russia. We should right. support the Ukrainian people and, and keep our military out of this. The same thing. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no difference. And, and then all this, you know, once again, all these people say it's Beijing Biden. Okay. Well, he's been incredibly hawkish on China the entire time. And he's repeatedly said that if, you know, con if something happened in Taiwan, that we would militarily, you know, defend Taiwan. But, you know, we're still supposed to believe that he's just in China's pocket. Like these stupid motherfuckers like Mike Cernovich, the Hodge twins, who don't get me wrong. I agree with them on some stuff and I've watched them, but um, they they'll, you know, sit there and still say, oh, well, you know, why is he doing this with China now? It's like you guys don't understand. There's this fucking narrative that won't die on the right that, you know, oh, well, Biden's not tough enough on China, but people just are fucking out the launch on this. And I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why. Yeah, did you see the Ron Paul Institute actually like tweeted at Blake <laughs> Masters after he it was so funny. Um yeah. but Blake Masters tweet Blake Masters tweeted a picture of himself with Ron Paul saying, Yeah, I'm super proud to get Ron Paul's endorsement. And then the Ron Paul Institute replied, Blake, we love you, but you need to drop your neocon foreign policy. Sanctions are always bad and China is not our enemy or whatever. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. <laughs> it's pretty crazy to see. It was almost like yeah. Yeah, we didn't really endorse you, buddy. We just like we like some mm. stuff about you or something. I didn't really know how to read into that one, but it was it was pretty funny to see. Yeah, well, I think Dan wanted to push back on him more, but I think Dan also understands that, like you know, the Ron Paul Liberty Report is in his show. But yeah, the tweet read out: Blake, you're great, but you need to drop your neocon foreign policy. China's not an enemy, and sanctions are always idiotic. The U.S. warfare state hates you and is doing everything they can to deny you a Senate seat. Why well, suck yeah. up to them? contact us we can guide you but yeah um th that's a perfectly reasonable response to say hey the neocons don't care about regime change anymore right i mean that's dead nobody believes in that anymore but the next thing is the great power struggles and the national defense strategies uh, you know every single um time they redo it which i think it's every four years they just redid it and they still have china's number one so i, I don't understand why they feel compelled to carry water for 
the worst people in the fucking government. For some reason, they just have to hawk it up on China. And to me, it kind of seems like the left with racism, systemic racism, stuff like that. If you can blame China and you can blame election fraud, then you can grift for votes. And then the left, if you can grift for racism, then yeah, you yeah. can get votes. It's, it's the same fucking thing in my mind. Corporate greed and racism and then yeah. election fraud in China. Those are the two. <laughs> uh let's see so this is actually a fair point uh masters only supports non-military humanitarian aid to ukraine which is substantially different than the regime that is true however i believe in the tweet from march or whatever it was I, I it was february it. yeah he did february. call for us sanctions he, he definitely called for sanctions but he also said we should aid the ukrainians in, in their war against russia which to me is intentionally vague like <laughs> okay, like let's say the Republicans end up fully endorsing, yeah, we need to just go toe to toe with Russia. Then you look good from the beginning because you've said, yeah, I have said we need to support the Ukrainians. Mm. Um, and then if not, if we're in the situation where we are now, where with a lot of the Republicans it's unpopular, you can be like, well, I was just, I never said weapons. But I mean, yeah. if you said, if you meant non humanitarian aid, why wouldn't you say that in the beginning? Like we should mm -hmm. just send humanitarian aid to them not weapons um i don't really buy it personally i don't think it's a good enough excuse so yeah. fuck you daniel jacob winnegrid <laughs> whatever your name is <laughs> yeah well he's a fellow mechanic and a gm guy so i'd take it a little bit easier and he's a pennsylvanian yes um i don't know if he supports fetterman like i do but i definitely support <laughs> fetterman number one go fetterman <laughs> yeah yeah now i the longer i think about it the more i think i want to see the memes and i, I support fetterman i don't think he's gonna win but uh yeah, it just uh, as we kind of I am going to try to drive down to Pennsylvania on election day and vote for him and see if this like election fraud stuff is real. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to test it and I'm going to try to cast like a thousand ballots for Fetterman. I might even like get in with the the uh you know, I'll I'll destroy all the ballots that I can that are going to Oz. I'll do whatever I can. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely there with you. We could totally do that. Um, fake some ballots. Do the about dumps. Maybe they'll make another like 2,000. There we go. We got like the that. official Daniel 3 podcast endorsement for Fetterman. There we go. Nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, I just would have liked to see more concessions before Mark Victor threw his hat behind Blake, though. And like I said, that just didn't seem to be done. And it, um, I think you and I agree on this, and a lot of people in the Libertarian Party seem to agree on this, that if we're going to be using the Libertarian Party, then it should be, as we've kind of said, to extort votes and to get concessions from Republicans who are liberty-leaning. But um, in this scenario, that just didn't definitely didn't shake out because they didn't get him to improve his position on China. They didn't get him to improve his position on Israel. And they didn't even get him to walk back saying that we should sanction Russia. Like, of all fucking right. things. Yeah, he just said, like, that? he was upset that the sanctions weren't used strategically and basically that yeah. now we've already played that card so what can we do now you know it, it was yeah. a it's kind of like uh baldick here in new hampshire his criticism of biden isn't that he's escalating us toward a major armed conflict with russia it's right. just the strategy of how he's done it and you've seen the clip i'm sure on twitter mm -hmm. many times of yeah you know him wanting to interdict russian troops and get cia and special forces on the ground which by the way i saw pat mcfarland post something on twitter apparently there are u.s ground troops in uh ukraine now that is a thing so hmm. great no i actually uh, i'll have to check that out. i didn't see that but that certainly doesn't surprise me um I, I did make a mistake earlier when um i quote tweeted tulsi and i said tulsi posting her l's when she came out and endorsed jd vance although i'm not sure how much i take it back because i know vance is a china hawk um mm -hmm. it was senator josh hawley who voted no on adding sweden and finland to nato which yeah. at first when you hear about it it sounds good but then his reasoning was because we like weren't tough enough on russia or something like that it's like what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, this is straight yeah. up fucking clown world. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, that was one of Ram Paul's bad moments. Ram Paul voted present. It's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, at least you didn't vote for it, I guess. But what the fuck, yeah. dude? Like, out of all the votes to, you know, send a message, this one you fuck <laughs> up with. Like, dude, that's the thing with Rand. And sorry, I'm going to go on a little Rand hating rant here. No, but um, <laughs> he deserves it. Like, I mean, people who watch this show know that I support Rand compared to the rest of the senate so mm -hmm. from this show like criticizing him is fair in my opinion and he chooses the dumbest fucking hills to die on <laughs> ever it's just like dude why i mean like he'll die on the hill 
of the 9-11 victim fund, you know, mm -hmm. like blocking that. But then he'll vote for Mike Pompeo and Lloyd Austin. It's just like, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? But I don't know. Do you yeah, agree with that? Like he, he does that? Yeah. And I really like Rand Paul because he was actually one of the people who first kind of got me down the road into more, I don't want to say like mainstream politics, but um, uh, my friends told me that when I used to get hammered, I used to go on uh, drunken tirades about how much I love Rand Paul. So I do have a little bit of a soft spot for him, but he does kind of die on these ridiculous hills and he's still doing these presentations every single year where he'll point on a clipboard about all this ridiculous spending. It's like, yes, we all agree, but you got to eventually do something. It's kind of like Ted Cruz tweeting out abolish the IRS. Like, <laughs> yeah, are, are we going to take steps towards that or what the hell are we doing? Yeah, no, I mean, and Rand has had some amazing moments. Like when he bl blocked that 40 billion to Ukraine, that was great mm -hmm. when he, uh, you know, when he would stand up against like the ridiculous COVID funding that was going on definitely has great moments, but it's just like, man, dude, some sometimes it really matters if you have an opinion and sometimes it doesn't. And yeah. it's on the ones that don't really matter if you have an opinion that he usually like throws everything into. And then the other <laughs> ones where it really would look good if he took a stand, he'll just like, yeah, and it's like, mm -hmm. come on, dude, what the heck? But I, I don't know that like I feel like that's our role as a libertarian party when we can't win is to try to make these stands. Like mm -hmm. when Rand Paul has made these courageous stands, it's usually just him or him and like two or three other people. Right. There's no way it's going to make a legislative difference, right? The bill mm -hmm. is going to get passed into law, whatever. But it's about waking people up to what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and the the federal government is such a cesspool. It's not getting turned around. <laughs> it's not getting saved. Um, you know, if I ever ran for Congress or something, it would be solely to get a message out there mm -hmm. about what's going on. Like, look at, you know, Ron Paul was in there, what, 20 something years overall, and nothing went in the direction that you would want it to. It's all the opposite. Like we got more war, more spending, more mm -hmm. violation of civil liberties. But he changed the way millions of people around the country think, mm -hmm. which is what you got to do. So to me, like when people are trying to berate you for, you know, real life differences that you're making politically yeah. on families around the country, like bullshit. Dude, mm -hmm. it's the Senate. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, there's no political difference. Inflation is going to continue. Yep. They're not going to end any of these wars unless we elect like 10 people or something to, you know, actually flip the majority in the other direction. But when it's down to like one or two people, if these people aren't going to make a principled stand and be loud and, point to an obvious problem then i don't really see what the point is because i mean you know if there's like uh if a if there's a guy in congress who votes a hundred percent right on everything and we never hear his name even though he did everything the right way he's almost inconsequential in his existence there because no one knows about it it makes no difference legislatively and no one can be inspired and realize what's going on so to me, a lot of it, it actually a lot of it does come down to optics. And that's why I give Rand Paul such a hard time, even though he votes better than most people in Congress. Mm -hmm. um, and the other way sucks, too. Like if you're just good with your mouth, but then, you know, you just vote whatever way, you know, they tell yeah. you to do. That's crap, too. But your voice does matter. And what you say mm -hmm. does matter because it shapes the way people view the government. Yeah, and I completely agree. And this is why I think the Libertarian Party has such a large potential is because if you can kind of make this culture of people who appreciate what this country was founded on, then that can definitely complement getting to somewhere that we would want to get to as libertarians. And I, I think that's the aspect that a lot of people who criticize people who want to use the LP kind of miss out on because um, I was a little lost on this. When I talked to Michael Heiss about it, he kind of... Um, brighten me up to this that if we were all to just want to go into the gop then we're kind of entering this already established you know the maga republican kind of culture and that's not us and i'm not going to right. shut my mouth about the way that i feel about trump and the way that he governed and the way that he you know signed all the spending into law um, I'm, I'm just not going to shut my mouth and not tell people the truth about this um i was in a little twitter spat a couple of weeks ago over somebody who said there were no wars under trump and i said this is like a monumentally <laughs> idiotic thing 
And I was told that it was a progressive notion that you should tell people the truth. And in my, okay, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But regardless, I think people should still know so that way they're better informed when they go to the ballot box or when they want to make a change that this is what you're up against. Because I'd rather know the ugly truth than have to, you know, be in this complacency that, oh, everything's great, but Trump's signing all this money to, you know, steal all your future purchasing power. I'd much rather be informed than just live in this delusional bliss under the assumption that everything's going to be fine as long as I keep voting Republican. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm not necessarily opposed to a paleo strategy of becoming a Republican and running mm -hmm. as a populist. Right. But I don't understand that strategy with the libertarian party. Like there's right. a difference there. Like if you want to do that, then yeah, go join the Republican party and all, you know, more power to you. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of running for state representative here in New Hampshire in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. I will probably run as a Republican because it's just right. easier to win. Um, but the thing is like, if we're going to be the libertarian party, then being republican light or democrat light is just crap like why bother? it's a losing strategy yeah because at the end of the day they're gonna vote for the republican or the democrat who has a greater chance than you if you're just a better republican or a better democrat it's not compelling enough to be like all right you know what i'm ready for something new and i want to you know understand things in a different light if it's just like yeah you know trump could have been a little bit better on the wars and a little bit better on spending and that's really what our message is, then it's like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but I'll vote for him again. If our message is Donald Trump aided in a genocide in Yemen and drone bombed more people than Barack Obama did and drove our debt up like $7 trillion while he was president, then it's like, whoa, what? You know, that's a different message. And I feel like if we're going to be the Libertarian Party, that's the message we got to go with because... And, and by the way, like, I think Dave does go with this message. He does. Uh, yeah. And like a lot of people who are in the Libertarian Party, there are just some who like want more concessions toward the Republicans, want us to be friendlier to the Republicans. And my whole point is like, no, we shouldn't be uh, if we're the Democrats. If we're Republicans, then that's a different thing. If you want to run yeah. as a Republican, do that. But um, I think, you know, trying like some of the worry about like pissing off Tim pool or pissing off right-wingers. <laughs> oh, don't get me started <laughs> on top of that. Doing this, it's not a good direction to be going yeah. in. I think it's worth talking about and saying, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like we're saying a lot of the right stuff still, but like, let's be careful. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Well, and I completely agree with you again here that if we're going to run as libertarians, then you should be so unabashedly libertarian when you're in debates, when you're talking to people, the people need to know where you're coming from. Because like you said, if we're just hardly separable from Republicans or anybody else, then what's the point? Like when you right. saw Shane or, and uh, I think the guy's name was Michael White and he's running for what was yeah, it? Yeah, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When those guys were up on stage, I mean, they embarrassed the other candidates on stage, and it was absolutely wonderful to watch. Yeah. So if you're going to be the libertarian candidate, that should be it. You should be, like I said, so libertarian that you embarrass the other people on stage. That should be the goal. It shouldn't be to just, we're going to try to siphon off votes. No, you're there to send a message. And to your point about running as a Republican, if you're running as a Republican, then okay, I understand you have to be tailored a little bit more. But um, kind of turn it back to Blake Masters and what I think going forward, if you're going to explicitly say that I'm going to be a China hawk and I'm going to support Israel, you could just not have an opinion on those or not say anything about it. But, um, you know, still kind of carry some of the more libertarian leaning Republican stuff, but just not have an opinion on those things. But when you have an opinion on those things, then all the liberty leaning people, at least of saying mine are going to be skeptical and everybody seemed to agree what i said you should be skeptical somebody who's a china hawk said we should sanction russia and be pro-israel like those are reasonable things for liberty leaning people to be skeptical on so if you're running as a republican i get it you need to appeal to a wider audience but if you're a libertarian fuck everybody just be as libertarian as possible and send the fucking message yeah and then i think you can also be friendly with people like tim pool or yeah you know you don't need to be a dick like all the time. I mean, LP New Hampshire's there for that, but not everybody needs to do that. <laughs> like, you know, some of you should be nice to people and like, but there's a difference between being nice to people and kind of being dishonest about who they are. Like Tim yeah. Pool just isn't one of us. He just isn't. And, you know, Donald yeah. Trump just isn't one of us, um, you know, or left wingers, you know, they're not us either. Like we shouldn't 
fool ourselves into thinking they are. And then I'm all about single issue coalitions. Like I think Abby Martin is one of the most brave anti-war people out there. And there's other things I disagree with her on, but whatever, like we're a hundred percent on that issue and, and uh, several others. And then, uh, you know, some conservatives are really good about, uh, you know, sound money or something. And so, yeah, like a hundred percent reach out to them and work with them on those one issues. But like, um, I think I was a little guilty of this maybe at first, like with people like Tulsi Gabbard, because they were right on a couple things, like being too welcoming to those type of people and saying like, yeah, this is basically what we support too. There's a difference between saying like this person is good on this one thing or these few things or these several things or whatever, but don't be mistaken about where we stand on these things. Like this is right. what we believe and we're going to stand firm on them. Uh, I think there's a like you don't have to you don't have to fillet people to get them interested in you. And I think the opposite is actually true. I think they're less impressed with you if you do fillet them, you know, like if you are like, oh, you know, we're basically like you please join us. You know, they're not going to be impressed. Whereas if you're like, motherfucker, this is what we stand for. This is what we believe in. And we will always stand up for it. It's mm -hmm. more impressive to people who might disagree with you on a couple issues. Uh, and then maybe they'll hop on board, you know? Yeah, I agree. And that's why I think when people are on platforms, especially with people that you disagree with, you can find the issues where you agree. But when it comes to the issues that you disagree on, you need to be firm in your position. There's a way to do this without being a complete total dick. But, you know, as I've always talked about, when Tim Pool starts China hawking it up, he should be pushed back on. And I haven't really seen sufficient pushback against him on that. And it's not like his talking points are hard to debunk, but um, right. you know, you don't have to, like you said, suck these people's dicks, just fucking tell them the truth. And then if you disagree, you disagree, but you know, we can all disagree on certain stuff and still be cool. It's not. And like you said, if we're going to just be wishwashy about stuff, then I, I don't think, you know, what's the point? What's the point of having a libertarian party? If we're just going to be, like you said, de Democrat or Republican light, I, I don't see a point then. Yeah, totally agreed. Well, we're coming up on an hour here pretty soon, so let's wrap it up with that. Um, sure. If you're in Arizona and you don't know what to do, the obvious solution is to move to New Hampshire and vote for Jeremy <laughs> Kaufman. Or at least, or like, you could move to Pennsylvania and vote for Fetterman. Yeah, th that was my next option. <laughs> like, if that's not going to work for you, if you want to be a little bit further south, you can move to Pennsylvania and vote for Fetterman. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always good to talk with you, Kyle. Where can people keep up with your show and your work? For sure. Um, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, you can find me, Kyle Matovic, on YouTube. That is K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K on YouTube. I got probably one of the biggest guests I've ever had on. Uh, Remington James has almost 700,000 subscribers on YouTube. That episode will be dropping tomorrow. And oh, wow. uh, we go pretty deep on a lot of stuff. So I'm excited to share that with everybody. Um, all media, major audio podcatchers you could find in liberty and health uh, my band is called a common crown we'll hopefully have some new material here soon don't ask me when but soon i promise <laughs> and uh on twitter at k-y-l-e-m-a-t-o-v-c-i-k and uh you know like i said dude thanks for having me on it's always good to talk to you yeah who put the c before the i when they were writing out your last name because that's confusing as hell it should be like <laughs> Matovic, you know, like the silent C that really throws me off every time. But yeah, it's okay. it, it I'll let it go. Everybody. Yeah, it, it fucks everybody up. I've heard my dad say Matovic, Matovic. So I just I go with Matovic. I run it that there way. You go. All right, man. Well, we'll talk again soon. Everyone go follow his show. You won't be disappointed. Thanks for joining, man. And we'll do it again soon. For sure, dude. Thanks.